<laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global Leadership Conference. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. I'm grateful for our speakers, our sponsors, and again, each and every one of you. And now at this time, I turn it over to our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you so much for having me. So again, welcome to the Global Leadership Conference. I am your Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. When you hear the term leadership, what do you think about? Tonight, some very influential speakers will be sharing different topics on leadership and what it all encompasses. Be sure to take notes. Leaders, are you ready? Yeah. Ah, let's get started. <laughs> so I'd like to introduce to you our host, Rajaline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, award-winning author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Rajaline. Thank you, Dr. James. So we're going to get started. And before we get started, I want to let everybody know happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I know you guys want to have a blessed Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Our first speaker is Dr. Tanya Gold. Dr. Tanya Gold, she's an MD. She's the author of Seven Habits of Extremely Happy People. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our first speaker, Dr. Tanya Gold. Hey, friends. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay, yes, ma'am. I just want to first thank um, Lakeisha, James, you're amazing. So just awesome to be part of this group. Thank you. And Gigi, we go way back, but we've been roommates and friends and she's my mentor and just somebody who I admire all the time. So to see um, all the great things she's doing in her books, they're just very, very inspiring and uplifting the healing and growth, especially massive transformation. Very, very amazing book if you're interested. Okay, so today we're going to talk about three key steps for regaining your calm. Has anybody ever been stressed out or tired and exhausted? Yeah, so I'm actually gonna invite you to stand up because oftentimes we've had a whole day, it's Friday. So happy Friday, woohoo! But let's all stand up for just a moment. It'll be quick. If you're not able to, you're driving, of course don't. But if you're able to, please stand up for a moment, it's quick, just to stretch out the body. We're gonna take a nice deep breath in and a nice long, ah. Does anyone love your way? Yes. Beautiful deep breath in. Raise those arms all the way up overhead and along. One more time. Inhale and exhale. The three slow deep breaths. Wonderful way. The first part of the three key steps is calm. The C is to reduce the chatter in our head. Those three deep breaths and help reframe or rechange the brain. Of course, you can do more. We're gonna do one thing also that helps retrain the brain and Gigi has done this with me. So I know she's an expert. Lakeisha, I want you to practice too and everybody else out there and all the participants, thank you for again, joining in. We're gonna just do a tantrum. Remember, you're never too old to throw a tantrum. So if you're seated, again, you can do it seated, but if you can stand up, stand up, it changes state. So we're just gonna make a funny face. Everybody make a funny face. Everybody make a funny face. Yeah, there we go. And I want everybody to go, ah! Yeah. So unmute yourself, ah! <laughs> and give yourself a big hug. That's self-love. So we know every day, if we can reduce the chatter with the three deep breaths, let it out with a, you know, a grunt, or if our kids are driving us a little crazy, or we couldn't get the um, leadership, you know, logo to come up or just whatever's going on. It's okay to just let it out. 
give yourself grace, reprieve, compassion for what happens in life because there's some things we know are beyond our control, but we can also have a wonderful attitude whenever that happens. So taking those nice deep breaths, so the chatter can also be reduced with verbiage. So we know the words we say on a daily basis on a moment to moment basis can affect us. So I'll just give some examples of non-serving and I want you to, if you can, make two columns, one serving and then the other unserving. And just think of some words you say in your head on a daily basis and put them in that column and how we can reframe. So I'll just give an example. I used to say, I am so busy. I am so busy. So I started owning busy and I was like, I don't wanna do that anymore. We all get 24 hours. How we focus, how we live can affect us, especially when we're trying to be leaders in our community, we need to own our time. And when we say that we are so busy, are we actually owning our time? So just reframing now, what I do say now is I don't do busy and I put in, I am calm. And I can't tell you how much it just started doing this, but it's made a huge difference on just bringing in more peace and love into my life. And honestly, if stuff doesn't work, sometimes I just have to learn to let it go. I do that tantrum to help release. If stuff is not working, it's okay. If you can't get the background, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If you do get it, wonderful. But whatever happens, we just keep going. We keep going with that flow. And again, doing our best and giving ourselves praise for, thank God I'm doing my best and thank God for God, right? He helps us all the way through. So we got to appreciate that too. The other part is the breathing again. And the second part is act. So if we can act happy or act strong, confident, um, act responsible, we can be responsible. It doesn't mean that we just are faking it and we don't learn the skills, but sometimes we are gonna be speaking soon and sometimes we get a little nervous. It's okay to be fearful, but also put in that courage too. So you can go with it and know that it's not about you, it's the message. So sometimes getting that big picture what I tend to do sometimes, I'm not in a great mood, but I act happy, I start smiling and laughing. So we're gonna do this right now. Join me again, unmute for just a moment. Ha ha ha. <laughs> just for 10 seconds. <laughs> oh my God. That's good. And then we, we say very good, very, very good, good, very good, very good. So again, that reframes. I got very sick on with an autoimmune disease over two decades ago, and through the laughter, through the breathing, through practicing this, I was able to gain the confidence to start my own business, Dr. Gold's Optimal Living Institute, and also to reframe about being a leader in the community and starting to do things that I was a little timid about or thought I didn't have the know-hows. But then I started to reframe that I will gather that information, changing my mindset that I can do this and I will do it and I will open my own practice. I'll figure out a way and just speaking it into existence along with the action with that. And this is the third part we know is mindfulness. So if we do things with intention, music can help us get us, set us in the mood. I know sometimes if I need to stay focused, I'm playing my Mozart or some relaxing, not too sleepy music, but music to help me stay focused. Or 
if I'm stressed or anything like that, I'll just rock it out sometimes to some fun music. We all have music that can help us to delve into different uh, frame frame of mind, right? So just thinking of your playlist and actually having the discipline to hit that play button so it helps you to propel you out of bed or it helps you to get to that meeting on time or get the work done so you can be prepared. So those are my three. Again, I'll just reiterate the first one, the chatter in our heads. We can reduce it through practice, right? The words we use, our breath. The A is for acts, ha ha ha. <laughs> and the M for mindfulness. So this is just a small part of the Regain Your Calm. It's a, a course that I created to bring in more peace into your life. The L part, the calm, C-A-L-M, the L is laughter, which we did a little bit of today. But just bringing in joy every day through your body, through movement, through action, will get more energy. It helps you with sleep, helps again with focus, and to just be a better leader in that community so we can do the things we love to do and really help excel like Gigi and like Keisha and all the beautiful people that I'm so excited to hear from can um, show that you can show up in this world to our optimal life, to our to living to our highest echelon, highest level with grace, with God, and bringing more peace and love into our lives too. Because what's the point of getting up there and you're miserable, right? We, we know pe many people who've risen up the ladder, but they're not feeling whole or balanced. So using these to get you to that level with wonderful people by your side and supporting and cheering you on. Thank you all, Dr. Gold. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Gold. Thank you, Dr. Gold. I'm feeling so calm right now. Thank you. For <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Our next speaker is Stan Peek. Stan Peek is an expert business coach and captivating speaker. In addition to being a certified executive coach, Stan is also certified as a corporate facilitator and cultural transformation tools practitioner. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Stan Peek. Thank you so much, Dr. James. Gigi, thank you so much. Great to be back here. Uh, it's been a busy year speaking for me, and I think you've organized more conferences than I've spoken at. So amazing what you're doing. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk briefly about what makes you a leader worth following. Everyone on this call is a leader. doesn't matter if you're a CEO, a founder, or someone who's never even had an employee of their own. The first person you need to lead is you the person staring you back in the mirror every day. I think a lot of times we get this misconception of what a great leader looks like. Hollywood doesn't help. We get to go into the locker room and see the amazing inspirational halftime speech. We get to see the turnaround speech when the business is at the brink of destruction. And we think, if I am not this charismatic, amazingly influential leader with thousands of employees, I'm not worth following. Let's think about this for a second. I want all of you, if you want to close your eyes, if that helps you to remember, I want everyone on this call to reflect for a moment and think about the best boss you've ever had. We've all had good bosses. We've all had some we'd rather not work for again. But think about the best boss you've ever had. Chances are, it's someone the rest of us have never heard of. It's someone who doesn't have global influence. It's someone who took the time to care about you and did something or many things to help you reach your potential. 
So we're going to quickly talk, because we have five minutes, about a formula for any leader to be more worth following. Spoiler, do you know what that formula isn't? A recipe to be just like somebody else. The best we could ever hope to be is the second best Gandhi or the second best Obama. So instead, the trick is to find out how do you be the best version of yourself? Well, chances are, if we are in leadership, we already have a clear idea of who we want to help. That's the first question any leader has to ask in business. Not what product do I want to sell or what company I should start, but who do I want to help? Business is nothing other than a platform to help others, to solve problems, and to make life better or easier for others. So the first question is, who do I want to help? The second question gets a lot easier. If you have clarity of the audience you want to help, either as a customer base or an employee set, the next question is, what do they need from me? What problems do they have? What are they struggling with that they're buying from me or hiring me in the first place? And if you know your audience, and if you know what challenges or pain points they have, now we get a real good window into what I like to call your leadership value proposition. Instead of trying to be like a famous historical leadership figure, no. What we learn is your background, your experience, your strengths, your unique story has given you a unique opportunity to serve an audience that you understand, resonate with, and empathize with. There's an old saying in business, especially for those of you that operate service-based businesses, that when you start your own business, a lot of times you become your own avatar. If that's not familiar, all that means is a lot of times when we want to help people, we become the help we wish we had at a more difficult time in our life. Seeing some nodding, I think everyone can relate. No one on this call, there's some very successful people on this call. No one has had a life without challenges. And during our greatest challenges, when we want help the most, the gift we get if we don't get that help is we become that help. Sometimes the mountain we climb, and it feels like we climb it all by ourselves, gives us experience, wisdom, and unique perspective that we can help others. So sometimes the thing that we wish we just could fast forward life and get over with is actually a gift. And it helps us be of service and of value to others. So if we know who we want to help and we know what they're struggling with and we can reflect and think about our own strengths, our story and our background, then we know exactly what the world needs from us. And we don't have to be like somebody else. We can double down on our strengths, our story, and truly become a leader who is more worth following. Everyone else is already taken. 
We don't want to be the second best version of somebody else. If you want to be a leader truly worth following, then the work is to look to your audience and then look within and then show up every day to the best of your abilities, making mistakes and all, trying to serve. That's my challenge to each of you. And my reassurance to each of you is you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be like anybody else. The world needs you, not another version of someone else. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I like to be tight on the five minutes. Give some time back. Very powerful. Thank you, Stan. Thank you so much, Stan. Just be yourself. Be yourself. I love it. Thank you, Stan. Um, it's great to be on this platform with you again. Thank you so much for sharing. Our next speaker is Dr. Nasiki Noko, founder and power to lead with Integrity Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Nasiki. Dr. Nasiki, it's your time. You're yeah, muted. All right, good evening. Can you hear me, my MC? Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I am so grateful I am here this evening. And thank you to my host, Ajiji Sabat, and thank you to my MC, Dr. Lakisha James. Tonight, um, in South Africa tonight, <laughs> and to the globe, some of the countries this morning, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the globe. This is Dr. Nsikinoko from South Africa. My topic is about integrity and transformational aspects from within to implement the effective leadership in any sphere of your life. And I'll, I have five minutes and I'm going to talk about just A, B, C, D, E of these aspects from within to implement your integrity. A would be authenticity, B would be boldness, C, character, D, determination, and E, being epic. I am so grateful today I have just turned 60 years of age on the 2nd of May. And I would like to put that under authenticity, to be authentic, to know who you are and to know what are the important things in life to be grateful for. I am grateful that today I can speak, I can smell, I can hear, I can touch, I can walk. And above this, on the authenticity of gratefulness, I have learned from my 93-year-old father. In my household, we are three generations. He's 93. I am 60 now. My daughter is 29. And believe you me, the effect of integrity of transformational aspects from within, from all of us, is being grateful. To be grateful from where you are and where you lead. It starts from the family. And you, you can only take it to the workplace when you have exercised this from your family. My father is 93. Every time you give him anything, 
he is so grateful. He says, thank you, thank you very much. Do we say that to anybody who's serving us in the marketplace? Do we say that to all the leaders that come across? Are we very authentic to bring out the gratefulness of what we have received from the divine about our lives to everybody that we meet across the globe? Some of us who are leaders in great companies, big companies, are we grateful for our teams that we have we are leading? Grateful for each and everyone and be telling them every day that I'm grateful that you have my team. I am grateful that you have done this for our team to win the award. I am grateful for this to be in the position that you are in to always manifest the vision and to be a solution to the organization. Let's go to the second one, boldness. Leaders today to implement the aspect of integrity from within, they need to be bold. You need to be bold as a leader of integrity. You need to be, take a bold step to stand out and do the right thing, especially in the culture of the organizations. Have we realized that in organizations, there's a culture that you have to work with those who are leading, those who have titles, those who have been in the organization more than the others, so that you can acclimatize yourself with the clicks that are leading the organizations. Are you bold enough to take steps in the organization to be outstanding and stand for integrity, no matter what? Are we bold enough in our organizations and our leading to take bold steps to say no to what is not right as the characters of leading the organizations? That takes me to the third aspect, character. How our characters in the leading in organizations? Do you know that there are new KPIs now in leading? As we lead, we lead people. So people come first in any organization. People come first even starting from home. People come first in our communities. Now the new KPIs is keep people interested in your leading. Keep people ignited in what you are leading them into, the future in everything that we do to lead these organizations to the brighter future for our social economic growth so that everybody can develop. We are in a world what we need, where we need self-development every day. You need to develop and grow first that you can be able to go into the organization, into industries that will lead to keep people ignited. Are we able to keep people interested in the solutions of the organization and keep people interested in doing what the organization is about to 
serve their customers. Are we able enough to be key in our key performance indices to keep people in, in, in ignited in unity? Keep people ignited in what is the vision of, the, of this organization? The third one is the it started with authenticity, boldness, character, and now I'm going into the determination. We have to be people who are determined to be leaders of integrity because we are we are given that mandate in the book that we have to lead with this integrity. If the leaders today in the whole world were leading with integrity, people would be rejoicing, definitely. And if people are not rejoicing under your leadership, you have to sit back and see what is your determination every day? Are you determined to lead people to be pure in their joy? We are created to be beings who live with happiness and to be in the leading of leading to glorify the creator and the one who created us, that we should be leading people into their purpose. That's the most important thing. Are we here to support people into their purpose into, in our leadership? Let me get in the last one, hip leaders. We have to be the leaders of integrity in our ethicness. Now we are on a global platform. How are we leading people? I'm taking you to the scripture in a good book that says when the leaders lead with integrity and greatness, people rejoice. That is Jeremiah 29 verse 2. But when leaders lead with wickedness, people mourn. I want to leave you with a charge and to sit and do a self-determination and self-leadership work again that you take to your people. Are you leading them with integrity to rejoice? And then they will love what they do and they will do it to their best abilities. Let us be accountable for these aspects of integrity of all leaders from within. Let us live with authenticity, boldness, characters that even our families, our legacy will be in the good books that will lead with these characters of integrity from within and determination to take our teams and our leadership to inspire, influence, heal others in the marketplace. Thank you so much. I'm sure we are all determined to grow every day in our leadership with integrity, with these aspects from within. No one teaches you this, but the Holy Spirit gives you so that you can lead others to be the leaders of integrity as we lead these generations and leave a legacy today to leave a legacy tomorrow in this world. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Nasiki. Thank you.
Thank you, Dr. Nasiki. Good to see you again. It's been a minute. Thank you so much for leading with integrity. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Our next speaker is Regine Banu. Regine Banu is the founder and CEO of RV Advisory LLC, which provides cyber risk management, security assessments, compliance services, forensic audits, and privacy consultation for private sector and government clients. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Regine Banu. So much, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and this is, has been always a great conference. I have my notebook, so you see me actively writing, right? So you always, as a leader as well, that's the segue, right? You're always learning, you always taking notes, you always doing something, right, to evolve and, and grow within that. So today, um, what we're going to look at is what is it to projecting yourself as a leader in any settings? And, and anywhere that you are, right? So no matter where you are in your career or in your future plan is to take one leadership role, it is important to start showcasing those leadership um, skills early into the right audience, because it's always important, right? What we're talking about today, right? Is the people, but also the audience that you need to be surrounding yourself with. So when you're working, especially when you're working in an environment with highly, um, successful colleagues and other uh, peers, you need to be able to set yourself apart and start um, doing what you need to do in um, projecting yourself as a leader and be taken in that serious matter. Um, I originally from Haiti, so the culture is, first impression is the lasting impression, how you, you showcase yourself, it's you and you've heard Stan and also um, Dr. Nikoko. Um, I apologize if I messed up your last name, but it's all about integrity. All of that comes into play, right? Your outward appearance and the world we live in today, right? People see us first, they're visual. So your outward appearance is number one, is one of the things that you always need to look at. And my mom always say, even if you go to the supermarket, you don't know who you're going to meet. So you need to look the part, right? So how you dress, how you carry yourself, um, your language play, right? The language that you use, your mannerism, and you see that um, for the first couple of talks. All of these um, are components as number one in how you're starting to project yourself as a leader. And all that is coming to presentation, right? Um, so the next one is practice active listening and asking great questions. And we always see there's this um, picture that we see, there's two of them, right? And they always ask someone, who do you want to be your leader? The person in the front or the person in the back, right? And a leader is usually, it's just, a name, right? It's, it's a title, where usually leaders are the ones on the bottom propelling their team uh, forward, right? So in doing so, it's helping you to um, listening and asking questions. You're not providing the answers, but you're helping them actually come up with the solutions and finding that. So those are the opportunities that um, part of a great leader makes, right? So one, uh, the second one is becoming an expert in your skills and posture, right? What does that mean? If you're a leader in any field that you're in, any career or where you want to be, that means you need to immerse yourself in it and, become, and be that expert in, your, in, in, that, um, in that industry that you're looking for, right? And the skills as well, right? And become also that person that's indispensable. And there's a story behind that word, and, but I, we don't have the time for it. It's another conference, right? Uh, because that is an important word, right? As, and being, becoming indispensable, right? And also too, because of that expertise, that knowledge, that know-how that you have. Lead by example and be the leader you want, you would want. 
And we heard Stan mention that earlier, Dr. Nikoko and Dr. Gold mentioned all of these things, right? It's very important, right, to lead by example, because as we all know, people will follow the people that is exemplifying what they're looking for, right? If I speak a certain way, then I need to carry myself that way and people will follow me, right? Integrity, you heard, we just heard all these, I have my notes, right? All of this falls into it, right? Because that's what we're looking for in a leader, right? And that's the person who will ask questions too. And then also to focus on the collective good of the team, right? And what is the value the team brings? What are their interests? What are they looking for? What is it that's going to look into not only what they're doing for you and the organization, but also what are they doing outside that matters to them, right? So focus on that as well. And then that um, adds up to how they continue to see you. Um, stand up for something that matters to you. All of these, um, you know, we just heard about that, right? So what matters to you, stand up for it. And then you also have your backing onto it. And what does that mean? It doesn't, does it all what we're talking about mean you should be a, you're already in a leadership position? No, you're aspiring to be one or you're, this is what projecting means, right? That's the aspiration to being a leader. And also if you're sitting in that leadership role, you also need to project that as well, right? And stand up for something that matters. Be, in, be an innovator, right? And, and that helps others as, as we also follow that too, right? Leverage your strength and understand the value of what you need to bring to the table. Uh, behave as an inclusive leader who values people. You just mentioned that, right? So add people to uh, discussions, to processes that you, um, you're doing, not only giving them the direction, right? Here's a directive, this is how I want to do it. Ask question, what do you, how, what, what do you see that I don't see? Um, and as leaders and project, this is one of the things, you're always not into your comfort zone, right? You're always ready to step outside of that comfort zone and speak up, right? Because let me tell you, that's another story, another conference for that one. So we got two conferences coming up, right? But it, that comfort zone, outside of your comfort zone is an everyday process, nothing different. And be, and be confident to do it, right? And um, when you ask uh, for their input and create a plan to enhance your skill as well. So what does that mean? Get a mentor, right? When you get a mentor, which is the number, one of the key concepts is, Look for the person that, um, again, you don't, you're not looking to become that person, right? But they have certain skill set that you're looking, that's going to bring value to you as a leader. So you're looking to do that and enhance and asking those questions, right? Share ideas and challenge the status quo. I know we are innovators, we're rule breakers, we're trailblazers. In order to do all that, we got to challenge the status quo at times. And that's how emerge, we emerge as leaders. And then we have those followers, right? But it's always both cause. Uh, for a good cause, I say it, right? And show up to serve and show that you care. We're hearing that, right? And that's the authenticity and all of that that you show. You can be a leader as the minute is it's you, you're not authentic about your the, the way you show yourself and how you care for others, people will pick that up. We have this innate sense in ourselves that knows that, right? Um, be humble. Humbleness and um, is one of the things that we don't, uh, that is a key component in the leader, right? You be humble and, but also be aware of your strength, right? So humbleness doesn't mean you, you step aside, but you also need to be aware of that strength as well, right? Um, real leaders know who have real powers are often very humble people. You don't see that, they don't exert it. It doesn't come out. They just don't walk in the room. I'm the leader, like all over their foreheads, right? Usually you don't even know who 
build that person until someone points them out for you, right? Um, take initiative and offer support where it's needed. Have an opinion. What, um, have an opinion, don't be afraid to stand out. Um, increase your visibility by taking the initiative on a project. Um, a lot of people ask me, how did you end up in cybersecurity? Like, how did you even end up speaking? How did you even end up uh, opening your business, right? Curiosity, like they said, they killed the cat, but this cat is still alive. But guess what? I'm always raising my hand. I'm always like, uh, oh, this is a new opportunity. I want to do it. What do I? And you know, I've met a lot of other women in this field that has no background in technology or engineer, but guess what? They raised their hand and they made themselves available and became visible into that project. And now look where they are today, right? And all of these things starting to help you build that brand within um, the, um, the company that you're in and what uh, you're looking to do and showcasing your skill set, taking on a project and leading that project. I don't know how much more that you can show that you can do that, especially executing it with excellence and, um, and making sure that it serves as for the good of the whole and not just for your own benefits, right? Um, what you need. And also to read and research. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of leaders. If you know who you are, we heard that, right? Know who you are first, right? Understand who you are, where you want to be, the culture that you want to lead in, right? Who you want to lead in and look for these other leaders that exude those kind of, um, that are in that space, right? And look to see what are they doing? How are they doing it? And and I'm following that. That's read, research, put yourself where you usually wouldn't put yourself. And that's that stepping outside the comfort zone. I don't, I ask for leaders, I ask for mentors, right? Ask a mentor, ask someone to be your mentor, guess what? And don't look at a mentor that looks like you only, that's only in your genre or uh, female. I have plenty of mentors and even industries that does not align with who I am, but I'm learning from the skill set and what they need to do. So those are the kind of stuff that I have, as you're looking to start projecting yourself out as a leader, aspiring to be a leader, you just start looking and following and um, getting yourself in the right steps. And I thank you uh, for allowing me to be here and speak. Thank you, Regine. As Nicole mentioned here, she said that, that uh, excellent tips, um, everyone, great content. And I have to say very powerful tips that you shared there. And to circle back for the audience that's listening in here, that's taking notes. And you said, get out of your comfort zone, get a mentor, share ideas, be humble, be aware of your strengths, offer support and know who you are. Thank you, Regine. Thank you, Regine, for those excellent tips. Now, if you're watching, I hope you guys are taking notes. These influential speakers are dropping some jams. Y'all better pick them up. Thank you so much for sharing. Our next speaker is Angelica Eulsberger. I do have a short bar for her. She is a happiness and success coach, international speaker, and 14-time best-selling author. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Angelica Eulsberger. Angelica, you're up. Give me one second. I am having technical difficulties getting the Zoom to work correctly. Okay. It was working and then I just tried to get on my computer and... We'll just move to the next speaker. Okay, Our next sorry. speaker is Dr. Troy Hall. He's an author, international speaker, and talent retention expert. Featured on the Today Show, ABC, the Global BV TV Network. 
Beyond the Business Radio Show and CEO of World, Dr. Troy Hall is an award-winning talent retention consultant, international speaker, and author of the best-selling titles, Conhitchin Culture. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Troy Hall. Would it surprise you to know that two-thirds of employees do not trust their immediate supervisor? 50% of them would rather trust a stranger. And 92% of employees will trust each other. It sounds to me like we have a trust problem. So how can we overcome that? Well, I'm going to offer you this evening seven attributes of an effective leader. Those attributes I've taken from Sermon on the, on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Let's start with a definition of leadership. Make sure we're all on the same page. So for me, I always think of leadership in a very positive light. I think of it as the opportunity for us to motivate, influence, and enable others to be successful. You see, in this definition of leadership, we are talking about the transformational aspect that says we will focus on others first before self. And when we are able to do that, we can then truly focus on others' success. Those three words that are planted inside that definition, they're very important to us. First of all, when we think of motivation, it's about stimulating. It's about moving us towards something. And then our influence, it's to mold the thinking. What are we listening to? Who are we listening to? What are we reading? What are we putting into our minds, into our bodies? Where, how, how is all of that happening? We need to be un, un, aware that as leaders, we influence, we mold the thinking of others around us. And lastly, when we enable, it's all about the opportunity to provide resources and to remove obstacles. Now, I think about this leadership, and for me, it's like really to understand, like, well, wh where does it all come together, and, and how can we take what these seven attributes are going to be that I'll share with you, and, and how will we layer them over top of things? Well, what's important to know is that in my work, I have a PhD in global leadership and entrepreneurship. My dissertation was in group dynamics with an emphasis on cohesion. So when I talk about cohesion, leaderships, these seven attributes are going to help this leader be effective in infusing cohesion into a work culture. When we infuse cohesion into a work culture, three strategic elements pop open for us. First of all, we have that sense of belonging. And that belonging wraps right around till we get to inclusion. We have inclusion, then belonging comes full circle. In value, it's more than just the respect that we may have for other individuals. In value of cohesion, it's about meaningful work. Do I have purpose? Am I making a contribution? And do I know what that contribution is? And then lastly, it's commitment. It's shared mutual commitment, which is the opportunity for us to have these collaborative work environments where we can be seen and we can be heard. Now, these seven attributes are going to help us. The first is being teachable. I wanna start there because it's where the basis hap happens. It's the baseline for us. So we're going to just really dive into teachable, maybe a little bit longer than the others because it really makes a huge difference. So our baseline is going to be B-A-S-E. 
pretty easy and simple to understand. Our baseline for being teachable is being open-minded. It's saying, I am going to I am going to think of new things. I am going to uh, accept, which is the A, accept new ideas. So together, I'm open-minded. I'm going to accept new ideas. I found that when we work with leaders who become so stubborn about their way of doing it, and their way is the only way, they fail to include and bring others into the concept. They think their ideas are, are the very best. And so part of being open-minded and accepting new ideas is looking for people who do not look, think, or act like you and get information from them. Pour yourself into being teachable. The S is to seek to understand. You know, oftentimes when we hear conflicting ideas from people, and we don't agree with them, we think they're wrong and we're right. But the reality is, could we actually stand in a place that says that we will seek to understand and therefore that understanding does not have to signal agreement, nor does it have to signal that the other person is wrong. It's just that we've got two ideas that are available for us to think through. And the E is to engage the knowledge we have. You see, just to really be clear about this, wisdom comes from the application of knowledge. So when we say that knowledge has power, it's when we apply it. The power doesn't happen by just collecting the information. That's like hoarding knowledge and uh, that might be good for uh, maybe uh, winning a trivia contest, but it doesn't do any good until you actually put it to use. So when you Think of being open-minded and being teachable. Now you have set yourself into the right space. Now the other six attributes that I'll talk about are compassion, grace, truth-seeking, humility, authentic, and peacemaking. So let's run through those just very quickly to give you some key points, and then we'll see if you have some questions. When we show compassion, we're going to think of others first. We're going to act in kindness. We're going to show love and we're going to walk in others' shoes. You see, the idea behind empathy is to walk in other shoes, not make them fit into yours. We're going to extend grace, which is an opportunity to, to show unmerited favor to someone for no reason other than you said so. There's no quid pro quo. There's no getting anything in return and it cannot be earned. In humility, we value others. We give credit to where it is due. We accept criticism with an open and grateful heart. You know, someone told me one time that feedback was a gift. And I said, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm going to add one little part to it. You see, feedback is a gift unless it's delivered with a sword. We should also be free of pride and arrogance in our humility. When we seek the truth, we want to discover the facts. We want to have a grounded source. I often think that I want to serve as a role. When we, we mentioned, Reg, I mean, you, you talked about a mentor and how important be, being uh, having a mentor is. It is because you need that person, though, to be a grounding board, not a sounding board. You see, sounding boards will repeat information that they think you want to hear. A grounding board will tell you what you need to hear. In seeking the truth, we want to offer candor. And we have to remember this, no lies, omissions, and no half-truths. When we're authentic, we're genuine. We source what we do from that truth. We don't cause harm to self or to others. 
And I like to think that being authentic, you need to look yourself in the mirror. If you're happy with what you're seeing, then somebody else will be too. And the last is to bring forth peace. Listen to all sides, find the common ground, which is common, which is called uh, compromise, which is a common promise. And then you will find a great opportunity within the way that you're working with others in your leadership. So let's conclude by everyone saying, I am a leader. So let's go. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, say, I am a leader. I am a leader. Okay, excellent. Now, now I want you to say with even more energy, I want you to say, I am a leader. I am a leader. Okay, now one more time, and you're going to say, I am a freaking leader. I am a I'm freaking, a freaking leader. Freaking leader. Okay. Absolutely. That's what it takes. <laughs> just remember, folks, you don't have to know everything. You just need to be teachable. Thank you, Dr. Troy. Thank you, Dr. Troy. I like that when you said, you. You look at yourself in the mirror if you like. I love what you see. Everyone else will too. I like that. That's powerful. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Really appreciate it. I love the to... energy as well, Dr. James. Love the energy. I have to say, Dr. Oh, Troy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like he belongs on a talk show. Like just the, <laughs> the, yeah. the voice, the tone of the voice. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to bring it back up. Angelica. Angelica, are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> awesome. And Angelica is a happiness and success coach, international speaker, and 14-time best-selling author. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Angelica Yulesberger. Hello, everybody. Just want to really quickly apologize. Technology has this thing where it likes to work all the time until you need it to work. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so we've had some amazing speakers so far. And gosh, everything everyone's saying has me thinking a lot. And oh, I want to add so many things. So a lot of times we learn how to be different when we want to become leaders. We talk about how we need to stand out, which is important. But how often do we talk about how we need to be similar to others if we want to be a leader? I mean, do you want to follow someone who has never lived a day anything like your life? Or do you want to follow someone that's there every day working with you? Someone who's there by your side, someone who understands the problems. You know, a real leader is there with the people, not in front of them, not above them, right next to them. And another one of the ways that you can be a great leader is be genuine. People want to talk to you. People want to know your story. And think about how lucky you are to speak to all of these other amazing people. You can only live one life. You can only learn so much, but there's so many other people out there that can teach you something, something you don't know, something you may never know unless you give them the chance. So it's so important as a leader to be there and be genuinely interested. And as far as self-confidence, well, you got to have some self-confidence if you want to be a leader, but just like a lot of skills like happiness, self-confidence, it can be built. You know, one of the ways we can build it is we need to pay attention to the way we talk to ourselves. It is vital. So for a lot of people, the way we talk to ourselves now is how people talk to us when we were growing up. 
if you were in a house where you know there wasn't enough love if there was a house where you got yelled at people were harsh you're going to be harsh on yourself you don't deserve that at the end of the day it can help to you know speak to yourself kind of like a child or someone you really love because you deserve that compassion just as much as anyone else so another fun thing about confidence is this thing called attribution theory and basically it has to do with how we attribute events so there's internal and external attribution if you internally attribute something you know it's you think it's you you think it's all a result of personal factors external you think it's the environment and it can be either one, but depending on what you give the attributes to makes a difference. So your best friend hasn't talked to you in a day because they're feeling sick and you feel like, you know, maybe you had something to do with it. You're internally attributing it. You're going to be upset. But when you accomplish something good and you give yourself the recognition, that's going to build confidence. And then works in other ways too. If something amazing happens because you put in all of this hard work, but for some reason you don't, you don't internalize it, you don't believe that has anything to do with you, you think it's external, you're not gonna build up that confidence. So it's so important when we're thinking about what's happening, you know, to really give ourselves the credit we deserve and give ourselves the break when we need it. Because let's be honest, Everyone has a bad day and you wouldn't be hard on your friend for have them having a bad day. Why would you be hard on yourself? You deserve just as much love and kindness as everyone else. And one more fun little thing about psychology is this thing called self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm sure you guys have heard of it or many of you have. So basically the way, what we think is gonna happen is what's gonna happen. And, but it works in both ways. So we see ourselves as a bad person. We think something's bad is gonna happen. It's probably gonna happen. But if we see ourselves as a good person, we see good things happening, they're gonna happen. So it's so important to be kind to yourself, believe in yourself, and be cognizant. Pay attention to you know, what you're thinking and how you're thinking. And when you're not in your head, don't be in your head too much. It's important to think, but not too much. Be kind to others. Everyone deserves your kindness and everyone has something to teach you. So I believe I'm coming near the end of my time. Let's say it was amazing to speak. Thank you all for coming. And I look forward to hearing everyone else. Yeah. Thank you, Angelica. Um, what a powerful statement there. What we think will happen will happen. Thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It's like life and death is in the power of this time. You have control over that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Our next speaker is Dan Dominguez. Dan's mission is to help a billion people discover their why, which is very important. Dan Dominguez is the chief growth officer at the Y Institute. Dan's why is contribute. That means he believes that success happens when we make a positive impact on the lives of others. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dan Dominguez. Hello, and thank you so much. I'm glad I was able to join and hear a couple of our speakers before I got on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with all of you and to share a little bit. Thank you, Gigi, for inviting me. 
So, you know, I, I was asked for the title of my topic and it's discover your why operating system and lead better. You know, human leadership is all about connecting with the people around you in your everyday work life. When leaders, when we ask ourselves the right questions, making these connections and therefore becoming a more human leader, I think becomes a lot easier. As a leader, do you wish you could make better connections faster? I think I want to start with defining, you know, what is a what is a why? And what is a why operating system? I think we've all heard that question, right? What's your why? Your why is why you do what you do, your motivation, right? Your how is how you bring your why to life. It's your process, right? We all have a process. And your what, it's what people can count on from you. It's your deliverable, right? We all heard of the golden circle. You have a why, you have a how, and you have a what. In a why institute, we found that there are nine whys, and we all have all of them right? You, we don't just have one. We all have a little bit of all of them. But our top three are our why, our how, and our what, which is the operating system that drives us. Does that make sense? Thank yes, you. So at Y Institute, as I said, we found there's nine whys. We all have a little bit of all of them. But we've all heard of the golden rule, right? It's treat others the way you want to be treated. But what if people don't want to be treated the way you like to be treated? What if people want to be treated the way they like to be treated? That's why we came up with the platinum rule. Treat others the way they like to be treated. You know, there's 441 possible combinations where you take the nine whys of why, how, and what. So everybody we talk to is unique. So before we go on, I'm going to share somebody who all of us know a little bit about. Let's take Steve Jobs, for example. You know, when we meet people for the first time, we all create a narrative, right? When I met Gigi, I saw her and I created a narrative. I, I saw the way she looked. I saw the way she carried herself. I read her LinkedIn profile and I thought about what I would expect from her. And we do the same thing with Steve, right? We look at his hair. We look at his glasses. We look at his clothes, his posture, and we're going to make some assumptions. He looks intense, right? He looks serious. We know a little bit about his background, like I knew about Gigi. Um, he's brilliant right? He's a brilliant guy. But what if we knew why he does what he does, how he goes about it, and what he brings to the world? When we do this presentation in front of a large audience, we ask people of the nine whys, and we share them with them, what do you think his why is? And the one we most commonly get is challenge. And that makes a lot of sense, right? If you know a little bit about Apple, what's their most important, most successful campaign? Think different, challenge the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. That's why he gets up in the morning to think different and challenge the status quo. His how is to find a better way, find a better way and share it with others. He found a better way for us to connect. Who remembers what the most popular phone was before the iPhone? The Blackberry. Remember that? <laughs> Had a thousand keys on it. The iPhone has no keys. He found a better way for us to communicate. It's our phone. It's our calendar. It's our email. It's our social media device. He found a better way for us to communicate, and then he shared it with us. That's his how. And then he had a what, the what of simplify. How simple was Steve Jobs? When you saw him present, he always wore jeans, a black mock turtleneck, and tennis shoes. Never changed. Keep it simple. His glasses. I mean, we look at his glasses. It's just two pieces of glass held together by three wire frames. Could it get any more simple than that, right? Now, could he afford fancier glasses? Of course. Could he afford a fancier outfit? Of course. But he was about simplicity. How simple is the iPhone? It's so simple a three-year-old can use it and a 93-year-old can use it, right? 
So if I know what drives Steve Jobs, if I know his why, his how, and his what, and I have a meeting with him, and I want to propose something to him, and I want him to buy into it, I want to tell him, let me tell you how it's different. Let me tell you how it challenges the status quo. Let me tell you how what I'm going to describe to you is better than what everybody else is doing. And let me tell you how it's simple. Because if I can use different, better, and simple, guess what he's going to do? He's going to nod his head because those are the words he's looking for. That's his language. I'm talking to him in his language. And so he's going to be more likely to buy in because that's what he is looking for in a presentation and everything he does. If you remember hearing him in everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo. So if I show him a way that it's different, better and simple, he's more likely to buy into my cause, my proposal, my product. So let's imagine as a leader, you make new connections every single day, don't we? You're if you're employing the platinum rule, how are you doing it today? How do you know what drives the person on the other end of your conversation? And why Institute, as I said, we've created the why discovery just to simplify that process. Imagine knowing the why, how, and what of everyone around you, your prospects, your employees, your clients, your partners. Do you think you would connect better with them if you knew what was important to them? And now imagine if they know what's important to you. You know, as leaders, we often forget that although we want to make our team members feel seen, heard, and understood, it's also important for us as leaders to feel seen, heard, and understood. When we do this exercise with corporate leaders, we often get a big thank you from the leader because they say, Dan, thank you so much. Now my team knows why I do what I do. So if you're a leader and you want to make better connections faster, I invite you to connect with me. I am available on LinkedIn, Dan Dominguez. You can connect with me through Gigi and visit us at whyinstitute.com if you want to learn more. Thank you so much for letting me share uh, the stage with you today. Thank you, Dan. Now, when you and I spoke, Dan, you mentioned to me that your why is, is contribute. And also, I, I let you know that my why is trust based off the why assessment. Can yes, you explain what both of those mean? You bet. You bet. I was trying to keep it to five minutes, Gigi, but I would definitely give you more. So the why of contribute, my why is I am driven by making a difference in the lives of others. I wake up every morning wanting to you know, contribute to a greater cause, contribute to the success of others. That's my why. It's why I wake up every morning. Gigi's is to build relationships based on trust. And if you know Gigi, you know you can trust her. If, you, if Gigi says she's going to do something, consider it done. You can check it off your list. For her, trust is very important. She trusts you, you trust her, sky's the limit. If you violate Gigi's trust, that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> so again, important to know each other's whys. Gigi knows that, hey, if she asked me to be on the Global Leadership Conference, it's very hard for Dan to say no, because I want to help her succeed. Mm -hmm. I want to help the people around me succeed. So that's, that's also my challenge. I say yes to a lot of things. So I have to learn what to say yes to. And this was something I definitely wanted to say yes to, Gigi. Thank you, Dan. Now, why is the why assessment so important? And why do you recommend folks who are listening in today take that why assessment? And where can they take it? So they can take it at whyinstitute.com. You just look us up. Or you can Google that. It'll come right up. 
It's it's a simple assessment. I actually have a free link for those of us on the call if you want to share it, Gigi. Uh, everybody that's listening can take it and I'll put it in the chat and you're welcome to share it. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. So that's my giveaway for today. Uh, you know why it's important. I think, you know, that's part, that's a lot of the presentation. A lot of us, especially now post pandemic, we're asking ourselves, why do I do what I do? There's nine whys. There's contribute. There's make there's trust. So Gigi and I, there's make sense. People who like to solve problems. There's better way. People who like to find better ways to do things and share them. There's uh, right way, people who like to follow the rules and do things the right way in order to get consistent, reliable results. There's challenge the status quo, do things different. These are the people that always say, hey, why do we have to do it that way, right? There's clarify, people who like to make things clear and understandable. There's mastery, people that like to learn things at a deep level. And then there, the final one is simplify, people that like to make things simple. They're the ones that say, hey, just get to the bottom line. So that was a bottom line presentation, five minutes. But if you want to learn more, uh, let me put that link in the chat for you guys. And everybody that's here is welcome to take advantage of that. Thank you, Dan. Copy the link. Thank you, Dan. That was amazing. That was amazing. Thank Your you, five, guys. Which is very important. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, and Gigi, if you want to share that with the attendees, you're welcome to share that. That is good for 24 hours. Thank you. you guys heard that 24 hours 24 hours late. go Take discover your why hours. and yeah and can connect with me if you have any questions great thank you dan thank you our next speaker is nicole jansen nicole jansen is a transformational leadership coach and podcast host ladies and gentlemen please welcome our next speaker nicole jansen Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. And this has been so valuable. There's so much great content that has been shared already on leadership. Wow, Gigi, uh, just amazing what you put together. And of course, your team, it's not just uh, yourself. I know you've got a wonderful team behind you. So thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you a question. As a leader, how integrous are you? You know, great leadership starts with you and me leading ourselves. We can talk about leading others. We can talk about what it takes to inspire a mission and a vision and all of that. But really, today I want to talk about this idea of leading ourselves with integrity. Because when we lead ourselves with integrity, then we can lead, only then can we lead others with integrity as well. So what is integrity? If, if I looked it up actually in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, and it says that um, it's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral and artistic values. There's an incorruptibility to it. It also said there is an unimpaired condition, a soundness, and the quality of or state of being complete or undivided completeness, incorruptibility, soundness, and completeness. Or as my friend Sebastian uh, Huynh would say, uh, whole and complete, nothing in the shadows, nothing in the dark, everything in the light. You know, the impact of integrity is actually described. I know a few people have shared uh, different scriptures. Here's one, uh, Proverbs 11.3. And there's three different versions I'm actually going to refer to here. The first one is the amplified version because they give it, each one gives a little slightly different uh, take on it. 
The, the Amplified Version says, the integrity and moral courage of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. The, new, uh, the NIV Version says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And the NLV version says the honor of good people will lead them, but those who hurt others will be destroyed by their own false ways. And so there's a few things that I wanted to pull out there, crookedness, duplicity, false ways. That sounds so strong. And I hate to be the one to, you know, to put these heavy words out there, but how often, and most of us would not see ourselves in any one of those things, but how often have we put our own self-interests first? How often have we said something that we don't really mean? Maybe we've said one thing to one person and another thing to another person. And how, how often have we gone along with what somebody else or the, the, the status quo, the norm, what the, the, the majority is doing and saying, but we know deep in our heart that that's not how we feel. We don't agree with that. I remember one of my mentors, Blair Singer, I'll give him the credit for it. He actually, uh, he challenged the group of us and he said, what if you were only to say what you mean and only to do what you say you're going to do? What does that look like as a leader? Well, and what does it look like as a person? Imagine you're going to meet your friend. You're going to go and, and meet them for lunch and, and uh, something comes up. Right. So, you know, you're 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 busy. You got caught up in a meeting or whatever. And and uh, you run a little bit late. Integrity is reaching out. First of all, you made a commitment. Right. You said, I'm going to meet you there at 12 o'clock. Integrity is when you realize you're going to be late is to let them know ahead of time and say, you know what? I said I was going to be there at 12 o'clock. I'm going to be running a little bit late. I'll be there at 1215. Most people have a window right? And they say, oh, if I'm there within a certain amount of time, it's fine. I'll, I'll catch them when I get there. Every little thing like this, and what I discovered in my own life, this was an important lesson for me, is every time I do that, not only do I break trust, uh, Dr. Troy Hall was talking about trust, I break trust with them, but I also break trust with me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the reason why we can't trust anybody else is because we actually don't trust ourselves to do what we say we're going to do. And so that's why integrity as a leader, it begins with us being whole and complete and in integrity with ourselves. Do what you say, say what you mean, do the things that you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do them. And when you don't, and you're not able to renegotiate the commitment. So you, and you know what, every time you do that on the flip side, when you do that, people start to realize that they can count on you. They can trust you. And more importantly, even, you know, you can trust you because if you can trust you, that's only, that is the only time when you can actually hold anyone else to a high standard. So often we hold people to a standard and expectation, people that work for us. And we say, well, how come they didn't do this? How come they didn't get that report on time? How come they didn't meet that sales quota that they were committed to or show up in that meeting on time? If you find that in your organization, rather than getting frustrated or hiring one of, our, one of us as a consultant to come in and fix the problem, first of all, start with you and say, where am I out of integrity with me? 
because as you get into integrity with yourself, what you'll find is that others will rise to the standard as well. So I would encourage you to be clear on your personal values and boundaries. Number two is be clear on your intentions. What, do you, what is the mission? What are you committed to? And be clear in your communication. There's also another word that was described here, which is courage, is have the courage to do the right thing, even when it means that it's not going to be in your best interest. Mm -hmm. Because in the long run, it absolutely will be. So I just want to leave you with that and, and uh, my friend's wonderful quote uh, or definition of, of integrity. Integrity is nothing in the shadows, nothing in the dark, everything in the light. Be honest, be clear, and be committed to what you say you're going to do. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Nicole. And I, I have it here, ladies and gentlemen that are listening in, if you're taking notes. You said uh, integrity as a leader, do what you say you are going to do. And you also mentioned have the courage to do the right thing, even if it is not in your best interest. Very powerful. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing that. Our next speaker is Pearl Sharenza. Pearl is a neuropathic mental fitness life coach, author, and speaker. She helps women put themselves first authentically without guilt so they do not look back wondering where they were in their mind, body, and spirit. Start becoming a hero, strong, happy, empowered, radiant, original of their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Pearl Sharenza. Pearl, you're up. It appears uh, Pearl may be having technical issues. We can move to it the is. next speaker. We'll Pearl. move to the next one. So our next speaker is Dr. Joy Vaughn. She's a native of Barbados. Dr. Joy Vaughn is passionate about helping people transition from one stage to life to the other. She is a former professor and certified life and transitional coach specializing in co-native assessment and emotional intelligence retraining. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Joy Vaughn. Thank you so much, Gigi, and thank you, Dr. James, and everybody. This has been amazing so far. I'm just getting so much here, right? But today yeah. I want to talk to you about resilience. It's the latest buzzword. You know, you have to be resilient. What does that mean, right? Resilience is the ability to pick yourself up from any adversity over and over and over again. And I can tell you, Moi here has been resilient throughout her entire life. But that's not what's important. Did you know that resilience actually has a place in your body? It does. Resilience lives in your mind, right here in the frontal lobe, which is the seat of motivation, but not just any motivation. It's called intrinsic motivation. And it's the ability for you to pick yourself up, give yourself that ba-ba-boom when nobody else is doing that for you. So what does it take to do that? And I'm going to give you the three keys. Resilience arises in language. It's what you say to yourself. Whether you say you can or whether you say you can't, you're right. Somebody once said that. But if you say you can, it's not only I can, I must, I have to, I will. 
You have to get up, even when life knocks you down. And as a leader, people are dependent on you to get up. They're looking for you to get up because they can't get up. They're looking for you to set the example, to get up when life has knocked you down. And how many of you know that we are all here, we've been knocked down a lot, and yet we are phenomenal leaders, right? Okay, so pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again, because that's the circle of life, really. It's pick yourself up, start all over again. It's what you say to yourself. Now, what you say to yourself, someone said it earlier, comes from your childhood, what people have said to you, and you actually believe that, right? You believe you're stupid. You're not stupid. They're stupid for thinking you're stupid. Forget them. Move on. Be resilient, okay? The other thing, piece of it is what you say to yourself and what others say to you that you believe. So it goes into your neurons, it goes into your belief system, and it gets embedded, and it lives there, and it stops you from moving forward. So what you say to yourself and what others say to you, who are you going to believe? The second thing to do is, when it comes to language, surround yourself with positive people. Because it's not only what you say to yourself, but what you're listening to. You don't have to take that. You don't. And as a leader, you should not. Right? You're strong. You're powerful. You're resilient. The next thing is that when it comes to getting up from being knocked down, you have to have a purpose. Somebody's most people purpose. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? And would you do it if nobody paid you? Ah, that's a magic question, right? Would you do what you're doing if nobody paid you? That helps you to lead yourself to the next level of where you're going. Because if you're doing something that you love, it's going to give you the motivation and the juice to get up over and over and over again. Again, it's your brain telling you what to do. It's those patterns that you're forming, those patterns that you actually have to um, erase, really, and form new patterns that serve you. Because you're not only leading yourself, you're responsible for leading others. Am I making sense so far? Yes or yes? Awesome. So <laughs> the last thing I'm going to say is, it's so important. As a leader, we have heavy responsibilities. So what you say to yourself, what you let in, and what you block out, critical to your success. And I think I'm going to say to you, when you get knocked down, say, I can, I must, I have to. And find somebody who will agree with you, not disagree with you. Want to, girl, you know, mm, no, mm. no, not the pity partiers. Forget them. Don't worry about that. Okay, but move on. And the last thing I want to leave you with is what my mother, God bless her soul, said to me. She said, "Don't let anybody, and I mean anybody, steal your joy." I'm Dr. Joy Byrne, your educator, and it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to all of you today. Thank you. Wow.
Thank you, Dr. Joy. Now you mentioned what you say to yourself matters. And I, and I believe that you reference Angelica who spoke here today. That's mm-hmm. such a very powerful statement and something the folks, if you're listening today to ask yourself, what are you really saying to yourself? And then also too, you said, I can, I must, I have to. And then the words of wisdom from your mother, don't let anyone steal your joy. Very powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Joy, for for that. Don't let anyone steal your joy. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Amen. (laughs) Now, our next speaker is Pearl Sharinda. Pearl, are you ready? Awesome. Okay. So Pearl is a um, neuropathic mental fitness life coach, author, and speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Pearl Sharinda. Everybody, that's so excited to be here today. So my name is Pearl Sharenza and I am in Tampa, Florida, but today I'm coming to you from Nevada, which is important because it goes into what I want to share about overcoming people pleaser. So I used to introduce myself that my name is Pearl, I'm a wife and mom, and those words were identifying me, but they weren't who I was. And I realized in 2015, after taking six weeks of an identity and destiny course, that I didn't know who pro was. I thought I was a mom, a wife, all these things that, you know, as we grow up and the white picket fence, all those things we tell ourselves and read the, the fairy tale books and everything. And I realized at, I didn't know who I was. So I had to go on that journey. And as I went on that journey, I realized the reason why I didn't know who I was is because I was saying yes to everybody else, but forgetting to tell myself yes. So if you asked me to help with a fundraiser or volunteer, I wanted to do it because I was like, I would feel so guilty if I told you no, right? Like, I feel guilty with somebody that, that they don't, I don't like them. They think I'm not compassionate. I'm not caring. All those things we tell ourselves, right? And as, as Joy was saying, those are those false negatives that we're telling ourselves. And it's not who you really are. And so I decided to go on this journey and realize I had said yes so often that I was burnt out from the word yes. But I also had to come with a, a way of saying no as excitedly as I was saying yes. So I decided I needed to go on this journey to figure out who Pearl was because my kids were going off to school. My oldest one, Matthew, was going off to his first year of college. My younger one, Nate, was amazingly so independent like I am. And so I had to figure out who I was. And so the first place I started was by learning to say no to something. And so what I did was I took a pebble because I wasn't sure how to do this. I took a little pebble and I either put it in my pocket or I put it in my bra strap for us girls that don't always have a pocket. And I made a commitment to myself to move that pebble three times by saying no to something. And so it was a a way to break a habit. So we have to figure out things we need to do to break that habit, right? So for me, it was as simple as a pebble. So three times during the day, I had to say no to something so that when I was saying yes, I was truly wanting to do that thing that I was saying yes to, or that event or whatever it was I was gonna say yes to. So maybe Nicole would ask me, hey, Pearl, I have this event coming up. Can you volunteer? Can you help me get some baskets? I really had to think about, was this an event that I wanted to be 100% in on? Because here's the thing that happens, you guys, is when we say yes to something and we really know in the back of our head, we don't want to do that. It's not something we wanna do. You don't give 100% of yourself. So you're not helping Nicole at her event by saying yes to it. So as I started to do this pebble, 
I started to find myself saying yes to the things I wanted to say yes to. And if there was something that I wanted to do, but it wasn't the right timing, I might've told Joy, Joy, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. And right now it just doesn't fit my schedule, but next year if, circle back with me and let's talk and see if I could put it in my schedule. So I was letting her know it's, I want to, and right now it's at the right time. But here was the bigger lesson I got out of this. As I said no to something, and I said it as excitedly as I was saying yes, I opened the door for Fabulous to come in and do something that maybe she was waiting to do. So therefore, I started going, wait, I'm not closing the door and feeling guilty. I'm actually empowering Dr. Tori to do something. I'm empowering others to step into something they've wanted to do. And it was such an eye-opening experience. My name is Pearl. Yes, I use that all the time. But I truly started to find out who my inner pearl was. I mm -hmm. truly started to take that oyster that was rough on the outside and really started to open it up and shine who I was on the inside. And as I did that, I started communicating also to my family and my friends my realistic expectations for myself. Because those of us that are moms here in the room, where some of you might be working moms, I like to call us our CEO moms. You're running a household at home. You're running a business at home. So therefore, empower those in your home to be part of that business. You don't have to do the laundry all the time. You don't have to do the dishes all the time. It's a business that you run at home. And as I started to communicate that, I have two boys I raised. My son is forever 25, Matthew, and my younger one is now 23. I started to realize they were seeing me do things for myself. And that was really, really important when I lost my son last year in July in a tragic car accident at 25. Because I learned that he watched, both my boys watched me put my cape on first, watched me become a shero of my self-care and overcoming people-pleasing, that when he passed, I knew I had to continue doing that, not just for myself, but for my son, Nate, that was still here with us, and my husband, and those around us and my friends were so supportive. So what I want to empower you with is do something as simple as a pebble, whatever that is that helps you break a habit, if it's overcoming people pleasing, if it's not doing anything for your self-care, whatever that is, find a way to break that habit. Because also remember, you have people around you that are watching you, and they wanna learn from you. And I know I, there's a, a wonderful young lady on TikTok. She's such a sweetheart. And every day I watch her get up. And one day she was on there and she said, I don't do negative today. This little girl was like seven or eight years old. And if we can empower our young adults to do things like overcoming people pleasing, saying yes to ourselves and putting our cape on first, imagine what their mental fitness will be like as they become adults. So mm -hmm. I want to leave you with that. But I want to remind each and every one of you, if you will do me a favor and cup your hand, cup your hand together. I want you to remind you, this is your shell. I want you to slowly open it up. And I want you to remember that inside is your inner pearl. And I encourage you to go out and shine her today and become the person you are meant to be. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Pearl. Now you mentioned that you lost your son, my condolences first and foremost. And then you also said burnt out from saying yes. It reminds me of a quote from Ayana Van Zant who says, stand in your no. It's very powerful. Thank you. Very powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pearl. I have my inner pearl. I'm going to carry that with me. Thank you so much for being so empowering today. Our next speaker is Teresa Vaza. 
Teresa is a leadership expert, certified executive coach, and former human resources executive with over 20 years of corporate experience, most recently at Alliance Partners as Chero. She is a highly skilled and leader, leader, leading training, building executive teams, communication strategy, and increasing employee engagement and well-being through the facilitator of Heart Central Leadership Conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Teresa Baza. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for having me. What a fantastic conference so far. I've been really moved. And you're in for a treat because I, too, am going to speak about resistance. So, Dr. Joy, the beauty is that in both of our messages, we are going to be embodying one of the true change principles of, of resilience, which is constant repetition. This is how we change. And I want to start out by saying that I've always believed that resilience finds us. Mm. We don't have to go looking for it. When you think about a moment in your life when you faced a challenge, a complexity, a crisis, it happens. And what did you do to effectively address this challenge with the resources you had at the time? As humans, as leaders, being resilient is, it's the essence of what it means to be at the center of humanity. Like Joy said, we will all face challenges, we'll face changes, we'll fa face problems, because this is just part of the fabric of what it means to be human. But what if in those moments we intuitively knew what actions, what productive actions we could take to change the outcome of those moments? What if we knew how to re not just react, but react most meaningfully, intentionally? In business performance, resilience is at the core of leadership. Think about the last conversation you had when you had a strong difference of opinion. You likely experienced fear, apprehension, frustration, all common. These emotions all come with the territory of leadership. And this is why knowing how to read your responses is so vital. The energy it takes to suppress emotion is all consuming. It diminishes your ability to be calm and decisive and rational. So it takes enormous self-awareness and ability to read and respond to your emotions and not let your emotions dominate you. That's what it means to take when it takes real resilience. So my definition of resilience is that it's when we can effectively face challenge, change, complexity in a way that doesn't diminish us. Mm -hmm. And what is really powerful about this definition is not only the focus on how it doesn't diminish us, but what's also powerful is, is what's not in this definition. Personally, with me, you won't hear things like overcoming challenge or bouncing back or, you know, tough it out. What I've learned is that the idea of overcoming challenges and of toughening and of just getting back on the bus doesn't resonate. It's the process of overcoming. It's the long walks, the limping, the stops and starts, the fall down and get back ups. It's those changes is what enhances us. It's not about being victorious. It's the process. 
And what you also won't hear is that it means you have to quickly recover. Mm. We do need to, like, when we have loss, asking us to quickly get over that loss is not always healthy. I would argue that it's not the people who come back the soonest, the ones who go right back to daily life that are the most resilient. I would argue that in some cases we go back too early. And that's what can lead to burnout and stress and unprocessed healing and escapism through its many forms. Resilience means to effectively address challenge and allow that to enhance us, not diminish us. So with that, I want to share with you three common myths and what we can do about it. Myth number one, when we are resilient, we bounce back. We actually bounce forward. We are fundamentally changed after a major change. Like think about the pandemic. We were never the same. If our bodies change at the cellular level after a major event, how can we expect that we're going to go back to the same level, especially after trauma? I feel like I've been very resilient, but I haven't ever gone back to the way I was before. Resilience is not about me bouncing back. It's about bouncing forward and drawing on the wisdom of an experience to enhance me, to make me grow. Myth number two is that it's finite. I would argue it's not finite. It's not fixed. It's growth oriented. If you're listening to me right now, you have you are someone that has demonstrated resilience from the day you were born. We have all encountered change, complexity, and pain. And resilience can be enhanced. It's a skill. It grows over the course of our lives. And finally, myth number three is that it's passive. No, it's active. It's an active process. While we like to think that time heals wounds and eventually we'll feel better, it often doesn't work that way. Resilience is not about just waiting for time or circumstances to change. It's asking us to take an active role. That means we do something, anything, pebble, one thing. So I'd like to leave you with this quote from the founder of the HeartMath Institute, where I studied. And it's to recognize that challenge, change, and complexity is simply an untransformed opportunity for your empowerment. This is what it means to be resilient. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Now, you mentioned resilience finds us. Really, really quickly, can you tell us a time where resilience found you? Oh, do you have all day? <laughs> oh, several I times. Quickly. Yeah, yeah, several times. Um, yeah, when I left my corporate job and made that huge shift to becoming an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, when I had my children and really had to learn how to become a mother after coming from a trauma background. Um, so many opportunities to practice this skill um, and with a lot of fits and starts for sure. Absolutely. And how important is it for the listeners that are listening in today, if they do have trauma or they face trauma to really face it, quote unquote, face the trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gently, safely with, with, with an expert, but yeah, yeah, I would say so. Thank you, Teresa. You're welcome. Thank you, Teresa. Like you said, um, resilience is bouncing forward. I like that. That's very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. You're very welcome. 
Our next speaker is Jacqueline Jurisek. Please forgive me if I mispronounce your last name. She's a breast cancer survivor and mental health advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jacqueline Jurisek. Uh, I love it. No one ever gets, honestly, I've gotten Jurassic and so many other things, but thank you for that. <laughs> I always love it. <laughs> uh, so my name is Jacqueline and I wanted to really speak on the power of collaboration. Um, but first I wanted to go back into a little bit of a backstory. As you heard, I am a survivor and I'm going to go bring you back to not too long ago, I was having a conversation with my sister. And I remember uh, getting this weird sensation in my chest or in my breasts. And I was like, hey, I messaged her. I was like, my boobs hurt. And she said, what boobs? And I went, this savage sister. But if I rewind it a little bit, I'll explain it. So in November of 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, stage zero DCIS. I honestly didn't even know that was a thing. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with Lynch syndrome, which is the MLH1 variant. All that means is I'm high risk for 12 other cancers. So with that being said, I went ahead and I made the, de the decision to have a double mastectomy, but to, of course, keep my nipples. So when that came about with my sister, she made a joke to help me heal. <laughs> so that's full circle there. Uh, but what I really wanted to speak on was going through the process, I had started therapy prior. And what I didn't realize with therapy was that I was technically in training for my cancer diagnosis. Therapy had helped bring a massive amount of self-awareness. So when I was diagnosed, I had already had some of that structure behind me, both ment mentally, physically, whatever it may be. Uh, and with the self-awareness, we had brought in things like meditation, visualization, all sorts of other tools. Mm -hmm. So during this time, I found myself needing all sorts of answers, whether it was what kind of research is out there? How am I going to financially afford this? What are the pros and cons of both medication, procedures, so on and so forth? Long story short, I finished surgeries in August of 2021. And most would think that the medical journey ends then, but it doesn't. The medical journey actually just begins. And I'm going to bring this in from three different aspects. We're talking physical mental, and if you are a believer of spirituality, also spiritual. So with that being said, I had a lot of work and a lot of healing to do after that. I was going through it and fast forward to actually a few weeks ago, I went in for my six month screening. I went in and I thought there was some pain, but I wasn't sure. And so in my previous about I had to learn how to get the knowledge, the resources, the education I needed to go in to the doctors to ask the right questions and self um, study my body. But this time I wasn't wanting to do the self screenings myself. This is where the team came in though. So my medical nurse practitioner was the one who found another lump. Now, I'd already had a mastectomy, but I kept the nipples, so my likelihood was very rare. I didn't see that coming. But thanks to her, she found the lump, and she said, let's go in for testing. I go in for the ultrasound, and nothing's found. 
This is just a slight indication of how burnt out I was with the medical system, not just with this testing, but with my Lynch as well. This was also, um, so I, I took it and we said, we'll just keep monitoring it, but something in my gut felt off. So I give them a call after I'm having pain and I say, Hey, I think I want to go in. And it took me a while to do that. But because I had my coach, Gigi and therapist and everyone trying to help me saying, you should take care of your health. I went in. So I go in and I had, there was two things that stuck out with my practitioner. One, she was like, I'm so glad you came back. We're going to do another ultrasound Two, When we did the ultrasound, she now had evidence. She took the picture and she was like, no one can tell us there's nothing there. <laughs> We're sending you for another ultrasound. And that kind of relief was the most empowerment I have had. Most people would say, hey, I know you found something. There's stress there. But for me, an answer was phenomenal. It kicked my week off so well, so well. So I actually had that appointment today and we don't know where it's going to go, how it's going to lead. And time will tell, but you're what probably wondering why collaboration is so important for me. When I gave up on myself, I had a team that helped build me up. And this isn't to dog necessarily on the medical system, because honestly, that's just how it's set up. That's how we're all set up. We need the resources. We need to have everyone come together with their specialties to bring this forward. So I really started seeing the lack on what I had to do in my first journey to what was needed in my second journey. That leads me to even bigger questions that I want to bring to the forefront today. So mine was kind of more of a taking your superpower and what you learn and teaming up with researchers, coaches, doctor and collaboration, but what you could do on a bigger scale with that. What I mean by that is there's a lot of people that are going through struggles right now, mentally, mm -hmm. physically, whatever that may be. How do we team up to bring the, all of our knowledge forward to get them the correct resources? And furthermore, how do we implement this into our own lives, our businesses, our systems? How do we bring self-awareness to those who need self-awareness because they're not sure about any old patterns they may have or have it necessarily the support group around them. So I started questioning all of these and it made me think, what's the root cause after we bring this and we implement this into our own business? And I realized everyone here in this chat is a leader. Everyone here has a specialty and I see how it goes, whether it's medical or any other system. If you've been through it, or if you are somebody who has helped somebody go through it, you are the future change of our world. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And I wanna thank you first and foremost for being here. But I wanna leave you with this one thought as I go through this. And that is, I believe, like I said, that our future leaders are within those who are ready to become self-aware and get out of their struggles and those helping them. And with that said, I, I just believe that you never know who your future politician could be <laughs> when you pull this out. Because when you combine your knowledge and you build this up, there could be real change in our systems. So mine was more for let's collaborate, let's put our minds together, because I really think that the answer 
is within all of us. I'd like to see more of that. <laughs> so thank you for your time. Please sit on that. <laughs> thank you, Jacqueline, for sharing that in a vulnerable manner. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that collaborating. Um, so we have two more speakers, well, actually three. Uh, before we get to our next speaker, I would like to thank our sponsors for um, making this happen. Without them, we would not be here. Well, of course, without Reginald, we won't be here, but we do have sponsors for every event. Um, our first sponsor is Ragne Sneakers. She is the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneur TV, Changemaker Coach, and Public Speaker, Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, Daniel Gomez, Keynote Speaker, Corporate Trainer, and Melanie Inc. She is the founder of Everyday Leaders. And me, Dr. Lakeisha James, I'm a corporate event planner and set designer. Our next speaker is Camille Robb. Hi, Camille. It's good to see you again. Camille Robb, she's also known as Fabulously Camille Robb. She is highly energetic, a certified nanny, nurse, newborn care specialist, house manager, night nurse, and personal mm -hmm. assistant. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Camille Robb. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, you guys are asleep, right? Because with every one of these speakers here, you should not be asleep. You should be full of energy and have enough knowledge that you could start your own academy. Okay, I just wanted to put it out there because I just wanted to thank you, Miss Gigi, for putting this together. And of course, Dr. Jane, thank you for being the icon of leading this now, I wanted to talk to you about fate and leadership. Mine is a little different, but what makes it so unique about this is that I want us to explore and what, how it is emphasized inside of the Bible. How is leadership? And it's going to blow your mind because it blew mine because learning how to lead I have a few of the, the speakers said, you have to get out of your own way. For me, I don't lead in the front. I'm in the back. I have my eyes on everyone else and I'm helping. I don't take care of me. I focus on the next person and see how I can elevate them to the next level. What I specialize in is teaching young minds, children, because they're the one of the future. And we always seem to forget about them. Parents do, leaders do. And they always say, oh, don't, don't do what I do, do what I say. No, as a leader, you have to lead by example because those that are ears are listening and they're watching what you do. Now, this is how powerful it is, fate, has long been regarded as a powerful force. And what it do, it lead us throughout history. So let's, let's dive a little bit into the Bible, okay? And we're gonna separate it. You have the leadership and how effective it is and faith. Now, faith is a foundation. In the Bible, faith is an often despite as bedrock upon the leaders that build action and decision. Take, for instance, Abraham, right? He is a through faith leader. He followed God all the way. No hesitation. God said it. He moved. How many? Let me see a raise of hand. How many of you 
just move when somebody say to move. Okay, your hands didn't go up. But how many of you move when God say to move? Now, that's a different story. A lot of us are afraid to move when they hear that extra voice. Why? Because God's speaking. Now, for me, he's always telling me to go out and feed my children. And I'm saying, why do I have to feed? I don't want to do it sometimes, but I do. And now I find I have people all over the globe that's doing what I'm doing, providing education, food, clothes, and shelter for children that needs it. Now, the foundation of faith in the Bible, it brings out the strength in you and resilient. Everybody mentioned that word today. It guides you. It makes you put you through some challenge. Let me see your hands. Have you been challenged by a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today? Oh yeah. A lot of us want to just crawl back into bed and not even come out. I'm one of them. When 2020 came around, it took everything away from me. When I say everything, everything. Imagine running a global company where you take exchange student from all over the world and bring them into your place and place them in the home and the world shut down and nothing is coming in. Mm -hmm. Now, in that case, what would some leaders do? They'll close the door and say, I'm done. No, not me. I love what, uh, I have to remember what she said. Dr. Teresa said, we don't bounce back, we bounce forward. I love that. So if you hear me say that several times, I'm taking that and I'm gonna run with it, bouncing forward. Because we have to learn how to keep moving forward as leaders. And when we move forward, we bring others with us. Don't just run by yourself, run with others. Trusting in your higher power. Now, biblical leaders recognize the significance of surrendering to your highest power. Here I go, I'm gonna ask the question again. How many of you, when God say something, you're like, uh-uh, not today, God, not today, God. How many? Okay, a few of you. A few of you will catch this when I come back with it. Now, we have to be in the moment. Leaders lead by example. And what we're creating now, our children or the future. And if we don't focus on them and help them to understand that they're in the right place at the right time and we put them where they need to be at, we won't have a future. We all are so caught up in the AI system. We forgot that we need to talk to our children. Don't let AI take over your children, okay? Because you're gonna be sorry. Conversation is the key. We have to surrender to our highest, which is God. I know a lot of people don't believe, but everybody have their own belief. Leading with a purpose. Faith provides leaders with a sense of purpose that goes beyond personal ambition. If you understand Moses, Moses was hired. I keep saying that he was hired by God to lead the Israelite. You think he really wanted to do that? No. <laughs> He didn't really want to do that, but he had a purpose. And once God put that commandment, he had to lead and make sure 
everybody understand that it's for the greater impact of the world. We have a lot of work to do as leaders. The problem with it is that we hesitate and we are afraid. But I like what Dr. What is it? Tanya, she laughed, she screamed, she get angry. My students always ask me, why are you always wearing a smile on your face? And I said to them, my grandmother said, my smile doesn't belong to me. It belonged to the world. And as a leader, if you walk around like this all the time, your people are gonna behave that way. Your team is gonna behave like that way. You can walk into my home anytime and I have a smile on my face. My husband took a picture of me and I was sleeping. He said, even in your sleep, you're smiling. What is wrong with you? And he showed me the picture. And I said to him, that, <laughs> that smile you saw, that's when I was chasing you down and telling you to leave me alone. Let me have some sleep and let me rest in peace. And he laughed. He said, you really were dreaming about me? I said, did you not hear the part about me chasing you down and telling you to leave me alone so I can have some sleep? <laughs> so compassion. One of the biggest thing about compassion is like, we show deep empathy for the suffering of others. The other day, I put together, we, we feed, we feed the homeless and we provide clothes for them in our, in our neighborhood. And I had a young man came up to me and he was working. And his thing was he needed some clothes. We had jeans and stuff out there. And he said, ma'am, ma'am, can I ask you a question? How much am I have to pay for this? And I said to him, I don't have to pay for it. He looked at me, he's like, really? I said, no, the reason why I'm here is to provide for people who don't have it. And if you need it, it's there for you. You don't have to pay for it. He looked around and he looked around and I'm like, what are you looking for? He said, my brother is over there and he have to go to work, but he has only one pants. Can I get one for him? I said, he can come and get it. It's okay. She said, but he said, but. He's afraid. I said, okay, you could take it to him. You have to have compassion for people. Servant leader. How many of you guys are servant leader? Let me see your hand. Perfect. Servant leaders lead by their heart, not by their fingertip. You understand it? Servant leader lead with their heart, not their fingertip. Now, as a servant leader, I know I say, talk about God a lot, but that's all I know. I grew up in a home. My grandmother teach me that if I can help the next person, God would take care of my needs. And as an advocate for children for over 28 years now, I feel that my gift, my why is to impact the world make changes, feed the needs of others, and make a difference one child at a time. 
what I want to leave with you today is that we all have our part to play in this world. Some choose to go big and bold, and some people choose to sweep it onto the ground. But us here as leaders, we impact one person at a time. One person at a time. You don't have to try to take the world on by yourself. I can't feed everyone, but everyone can feed someone. Think about it. If everyone feed someone, we won't have not one hunger child in this world. So today, I want to thank you guys for listening. And thank you for coming here and sharing your story. I've taken my notes and I'm enjoying every bit of it. Stay blessed, stay safe, and stay absolutely fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Fabulous Camille. It's always a pleasure being on the platform with you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. So our next speaker, we have a dynamic duo. Western Prior to founding Dove Development and Consulting, Western Cindy Dove developed strong professional resumes while working in both large corporations and small family-owned businesses. In addition to extensive work in behavior-based safety throughout North America, West held responsibility for safety compliance, human resources, and personal development in multiple industries. In over 20 years in the healthcare field, Cindy held responsibility for operations, hospice, and sales. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our dynamic duo, West and Cindy mm -hmm. Dove. <laughs> hey guys, Wes here. I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to transition it. But first I'm going to say this is one of my uh, most favorite things that I get to do in the world. And that's sharing time with my darling bride and um, really serving the folks that we get to interact with. So I'm going to come at it from the perspective of the, the real importance of doing those tough conversations. We um, wrote a wrote a lesson that we share with a lot of organizations called the power of candid conversations. And then Cindy's going to touch on it from a little bit different perspective. Mine's going to address more of the why, and she's going to address a little bit of the how. Um, and it's going to be a quick taste, but I think you'll be able to take something practical for it. So in, in the work that we do, be it with supervisors, managers, executives, business owners, whatever it may be, one of the things that we see more than anything else is the folks that just struggle addressing unacceptable, subpar, whatever you want to call it, behavior that doesn't really meet the mark. And, and that's just not okay when we, when we lead. And so many of the folks we've heard from this evening talked about the importance of leading and how we can lead more effectively and what we need for us. But I'm going to say we also, when we take those roles, be it supervisor, manager, owner, whatever, when we accept that responsibility for leadership, we also accept that responsibility for upholding a, a, a standard for all of the folks on that team that we accepted that responsibility to lead. And, and when we don't have those tough conversations, we've effectively said, hey, subpar is okay. We've raised what's, uh, we, we've lowered what's acceptable. And, and we've, we've really set the tone for um, what, what, what people are going to be living up to moving forward. And, and that's not okay. And when we talk about the power of a candid conversation, we really stress, guys, it's, it's not um, so many, in many cases, folks are, are really resistant to giving that candid feedback, to giving the tough feedback, having those tough conversations with their team members because, hey, I don't want to hurt them, or hey, they're going to get upset with me, or hey, this is going to be an issue that creates a rift in our relationship, because maybe it's a longstanding relationship, and, and it's so not true. 
And it's one of the things that I learned in behavior-based safety so many years ago when I was training across North America doing that. If we can separate the behavior from the person and address this is the behavior that's not acceptable, this is the behavior that could lead to an issue, I love you, I care about you, here's how I want to help you win, but this specific behavior is not okay. We don't upset people in in most cases. We actually earn respect and we gain so much more for um, from them, and, and we develop a stronger, tighter knit team in the process because we earn that buy-in, we earn that engagement, we earn that contribution. Now, I want to turn it over to Cindy to talk about some questions that you can ask. Um, as you're preparing for that tough conversation so you can make a stronger impact in in those individuals and the teams you lead as a whole. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Wes. So we're going to switch gears just a little bit and talk about how, as leaders, how we can improve these results in these tough conversations by balancing candor with care. So you need both. We need that conversation or that combination. So we'll talk about where can we get better, even if it's just one or two degrees. You know, none of us have arrived at leadership, right? Much less at effectively having candor with care conversations every time. Because as, as we always grow and we, we always grow and we can be better tomorrow than we are today. That should be what we're striving for. And it starts with having conversations with our people and with the people that we care about, with the people that we work with and lead in a way that really helps the individuals but doesn't hurt them. So hang with me here because this is not just for the leaders that may need to add in a little more care. You know, maybe their tone's not quite right and they need to add in that care because that's often what individuals think. Hey, this is just a little tweak we need to make. Actually, this is just as much for leaders who, who are doing more harm than good by not being candid enough with the individuals that they're leading, the individuals, you know, in their families or that they're having conversations with. They're exhibiting care but without candor, we can't truly help individuals, much less work towards a desired outcome, getting that better result. I love the way John Maxwell puts this. He says, care without candor creates dysfunctional relationships. Candor without care creates distant relationships, but candor balanced with care creates developing relationships. So that really helps to sum it up. So here's how candor and care works together in leadership. It's the caring part values the person, the individual. The candor part values their potential. And as leaders, when we truly value someone, we want them to reach their potential, don't we? And when we're candid with them with their benefit in mind, it doesn't have to be harmful and it doesn't have to be difficult. Caring really should be establishing the relationship and candor should expand the relationship. So as leaders, we should all be asking ourselves tough questions to really ensure that we're balancing the candor and the care in these conversations that we need to have. So these questions look like this. They're questions to make sure that we're looking within ourselves and that we're initiating conversations for the right reasons with the right motives in mind and valuing every individual along the way and asking ourselves, am I asking this question because I want them to reach their potential? So ask yourself tough questions around these ideas and you'll be ready to have a candor with care conversation that benefits absolutely everyone involved. Okay, so I'm gonna leave you with that and thank you, Gigi, for having us. You're muted, Gigi. 
Thank you, Cindy and Wes, and thank you, Dr. James. Now, you all mentioned to ask yourself tough questions. What are some questions that folks can begin to ask themselves today? You want me to take that, Wes? I, I, let me jump in and you clean it up, okay? okay. So this is how Cindy <laughs> and I roll. I'm the one that takes action and she makes sure it's right after the fact. But one of the things that I always challenge folks to ask is if we're avoiding the tough question, that tough conversation, are we avoiding it because we're afraid of the, the feedback, the pushback, the result, or are we avoiding it because we're, we've just not done the work on ourselves to really be able to, to address the situation the way it needs to be addressed? Cindy? Yeah, another one I can add is asking ourselves as leaders, do I have a need for this tough conversation for my benefit, for something that I'm going to gain? Or am I having this conversation for something that this individual will gain? Thank you both. And now you also mentioned working on yourself. What if someone is in the point in their life where they're saying to themselves that they don't believe in themselves and they're at the brink of giving up? You want me to take that, Wes? Go for it. <laughs> we're, we're both usually ready. Gosh, at the brink of giving up, for me, I would I share from my own experiences and, and some gaps that I've helped individuals feel, uh, fill. But for me, what comes to mind is, you know, who is counting on you? Because we're not in this world for us. We're in this world for other people. And there's always so many individuals counting on us. Thank you. Thank you both. Absolutely. First, I'd like to say thank you to the dynamic deal. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I just I just love the husband and wife deal. Love it. <laughs> Our next speaker is Kim C. Shaw. She is the founder and CEO of Leadership Development Professional and People Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Kim C. Shaw. Kim, you're muted. Well, hello, hello, everyone. I apologize. I'm literally just running in the door, but I'm always ready to talk about this amazing subject that we call leadership. And Cindy, you mentioned my papa, my papa, John Maxwell. I love my papa. I, I'm very tight with him, like personally, literally. So um, what I'm going to speak about today, um, I am like Dr. Lakeisha James said, I am the CEO of Leader Up Leadership. Inspiring You Leadership Enrichment Solutions is the name of my organization. And one of the things that I really focus on is being that person uh, of who we are in terms of inspiration. And John always says that, you know, we know from uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. But how do you influence people? So my topic today was primarily on building and leading resilient teams because we weren't talking about leadership and how far can we go with this subject? I mean, we can go from here to Kalamazoo. Unfortunately, I was not on throughout the beginning. So I don't know if anyone shared similar information that I'm going to share, but guess what? They play commercials thousands of times over and over again, because it takes us that much to get it and have it ingrained and sinks in. So I'm probably going to share something you've heard before. I always tell people when you hear something that you have heard before, how's it working for you? Are you applying those things? Are you doing those things? Or are you just letting go one ear, not the other? So talking about building and resi leading resilient teams. We all know that resilient teams 
are the key to both individual, of course, and organizational resilience. It is in these times that we have to ensure that our people can roll with the punches. Things like COVID that's still impacting us to this day, if you don't have a team that you're working with that you have grown and you have built to roll with the punches, you're gonna fail. Collective resilience, of course, is the team's ability to overcome adversity. When those things do catch us off guard like COVID and those changes that we had to con continue to make, then adapt and grow together because of that adversity. So not fail because of that adversity, but adapt and grow even more to be able to overcome adversity moving forward. We all know that resilient teams are stronger together and they make learning, especially learning, because what do we do if we don't learn from things that happen, even the negative things, we're gonna fail. So learning and changing becomes possible. Now, one of the things that I always talk about and everybody hears these, we have these buzzwords that are going, that go around in our field of leadership, morale and um, employee engagement and all those wonderful things that a lot of companies, they have it on their walls, they have it in their mission, they have it in their vision, they have it all over the place. But is that the actual, is that actually going on? Now, raising morale in the workplace by creating that positive client, climate for your people to work in is a lot more difficult than it might seem. Rather small business, uh, small, medium, or large organizations, it takes concentrated effort. And a lot of times we leave things for granted when we're talking about how to do these things. We all know that when morale is low, performance is gonna suffer. When your morale is low, if you even run your own business, your performance is gonna suffer. Your clients is gonna, are gonna suffer and everything that you do is possibly gonna suffer. Now, when morale is high, of course, performance is gonna soar. So what is climate? It's about shared perception and attitudes of those that you work with. The teammates, the teams that you lead, the teams that you're on, and the teams that throughout your organization. Your team's climate can change within a blink of an eye for better or for worse. We already know that. So as leaders, we know that this is also based on our actions and the actions of those that work with us around us, our teams are up and down. One of Papa John's, one of my favorite books that John Maxwell wrote was a 360 degree leader. I'm sure everybody on my panel has read this book. So when you're in an organization, it is up to us to ensure that we are leading up, down and laterally each way. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have this big fancy office to be a leader. We already know that. Now, we can raise our team's morale, of course, by creating a positive climate for people to work in. Is that always easy? How many of you think that that's an easy thing? Just by raising hands. That's just like, oh yeah, we can raise the climate. How many of you have had challenges with trying to raise the morale of those in your sphere? Anyone, anyone, Bueller? <laughs> the thing about it is you can't please all of the people all of the time. And guess what? If you try, well, good luck to you. You let me know how that works out for you. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. The thing about it is raising our team's morale. We have to create that positive climate, of course. The result of that is gonna be more flexibility, creativity, and openness to new ideas. We know that when our people are 
comfortable and they have a climate that innovation starts coming out, that creativity starts coming out, confidence is built, and people want to stay and stay put to where they are. We know that positive emotions when it comes to building those resilient teams, even through adversity, help people cope with stress. So will we work harder to ensure that those soft things that we can, that we we claim like soft skills and different things like that are nurtured for the people that work with us on our teams because those are the things that are going to help them overcome that adversity teams that work in that positive climate and that um, that positive atmosphere of course are better able to overcome that adversity and then adapt and grow because of that adversity now some of the things that I said that I was going to share that I'm sure everyone has heard before, those terms, everybody's heard of climate, everybody's heard of culture, we know about competence, we know about ensuring that we are people of integrity, authenticity, vulnerable. The question that I always ask is, when we're hearing these things, how much introspection do we do as leaders? How much introspection do we support our leaders in doing to ensure that they understand what it takes to be a vulnerable leader? And what I mean by that is not, you know, your team thinking you, if you're opening up to your team and showing vulnerability, that that they're going to think that you're soft or they're going to think that you're weak or that you don't have the skills and the ability to actually do the job. We know that vulnerability is being open to the risks of emotional exposure. Are we all comfortable with that? Do you know that your team and those that are on those teams that you're building are comfortable with being vulnerable, are comfortable with coming to you as a leader to say, uh, Dr. Shaw, I cannot do this task without feeling like they're gonna be condemned or feeling like their confidence is gonna wane because they can't do something? How about dignity? I think that's a huge one as well. Dignity is that inherent importance and value that we put on our people. And also I believe that we put on ourselves in terms of worth as a person and as a contributor to that team. So when we're building those resilient teams, we wanna ensure that each and every individual, although they're a part of a collective, we are maintaining their dignity. Another one. Big one, we already know about that, diversity. Did somebody speak about diversity on this call? Of course they did. But what is diversity in terms of building and leading those resilient teams? Are we really, really putting the stage and, and, and setting the stage for those to express who they are? to really embrace the range of the differences in individuals, in the social and ethnic backgrounds, genders, sexual orientations, and different things like that. My current class, uh, I teach at Spelman College, and my current class, we had a long discussion yesterday about how diversity is really expressed in, in their organizations. Granted, of course, they have the formal training and they have the, um, the document that they have to sign if they've gone to sensitivity training or they had ethnic, uh, ethnic or diversity training and different things like that. But what is that really to them? And what is that really in terms of ensuring that they are working within that sphere to continue to build 
that climate that they need to have resilience on their team. Inclusion, active listening, these are all things that we've heard before, but how are we actually executing? How are we actually doing those things? Um, I did not time myself. <laughs> so Gigi, you guys have to tell me when my time is up, uh, but we can go on forever. I love doing these conferences. And as soon as you have another spot, I'm back on and I could possibly continue where I left off at. But I think um, you guys get the point. Diversity, all the different things that I talked about when we're talking about building resilient teams and leading those resilient teams, you've heard it all before, but I'm gonna leave you with, how is that working for you, really? That's what you really wanna think about. Are those things really still working for you? Do you need to introspect and step back and redirect on some things? I'm done. Thank you, Kim. It's, it's always an honor to have you here with us. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you, Kim, always an honor. I'm gonna do that with Gigi says. Nice seeing you again. Absolutely. And our last speaker is Deborah Watts. Having grown up on three different continents and observed the universal human trait of bias, she learned from experience to let go of the idea of normal. A natural born revolutionary, she struggled for decades to find her place, a former minister and engineer turned holistic relationship and leadership mentor, she understands from the inside out the challenges socially conscious leaders face trying to operate within those CSIO norms. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Deborah Watts. Greetings. Can you, can you hear me okay? I know there's a bit of an echo because I'm in a very large room with lots of hard surfaces, but this was the best I could do. <laughs> yes. um, it's nice to see everyone. Thank you for having me. And uh, holistic leadership, when I think about Hopefully, I'll have a moment today to share with you my definition of holistic because I've noticed that not everyone sees it exactly the same. Um, but my work is really like what I want to talk about today, which is lazy leadership. It's not for everybody. So you can think of me like, I don't know if you've ever seen something like Marie Kondo or the Home Edit on Netflix where they go into somebody's house and they, they, they take over their closet or their shed or their kitchen and they organize the whole thing, right? If you're just getting started with leadership, maybe you're just trying to stock your kitchen. Maybe you're just trying to actually have furniture in your house. So you might not be at a stage where this may be the, the easiest next step. But listen up anyway, because you learning these hacks, so to speak, will help you to organize your leadership in a much more natural way to start out if you're new in leadership. But really, this is about taking all of the things, like anytime I listen to or read an article or a post on leadership, I usually get tired. It's like, man, that was such good information, but like, that was a lot, right? Like, I had to you know, there was a model, there was an infographic, there were like, there was an acronym for me to remember. There were like all these tools and tips and like this question to ask. And like, how many of us will really be able to implement everything that we learn about leadership? None of us, right? So I'm, I'm lazy. I'm always looking for a lazy hack, a way to avoid or minimize my amount of learning and information gathering so that I can actually just use the thing. So a lot of what I focus on now is how can we 
do away with the models and the exercises and all of those things in our day-to-day way of being, how can we be the best leaders, versions of ourselves as leaders that we can be without having to memorize all this stuff? And so one of the things that I, I found, I discovered on my path and my journey to try to be a better leader and, and mentor is a skill that I want to share with everyone. How, what if you only had to learn leadership by practicing with one person? If you think about it, no matter where you go, there's all different types of people, even in your own family. Like you might have three kids, very different personalities, very different, and it can be exhausting to try to keep track of who needs, who's where, what. So the goal of being, of looking at things holistically is really to look at things in patterns. There's usually like a big pattern and then there's like a smaller pattern within the big pattern. You can almost think of it like um, Russian dolls. Same doll, but it just keeps going out. And that's the same thing with leadership. The leadership, the way that we can look at leadership is, okay, I'm looking at things for this whole organization or I'm looking at things for this team or I'm looking at things for myself. It's the same pattern if we know what we're looking for. And so one of the things that I always encourage leaders to begin with in terms of their organization, like if you, I don't know if you've ever seen like the home edit, they'll say, start with a drawer. Don't try to organize your whole house because that's overwhelming. Just start with one drawer in your kitchen or in your cabinets. Just do one thing, take everything out, organize it. So if you're going to start with one thing to get the hang of it, start with yourself. If you can understand how you are working as an organization, as a system, and you can lead effectively your own internal system, it's much, much easier to then be able to go out and start to lead other people. In fact, you'll start doing it naturally without even realizing it. So all the amazing tools that you've learned and picked up and tips today, one of the things I would suggest is like looking at the different aspects of yourself, like people that you might have on your team or in your family or in your community and saying, hmm, yeah, you know, sometimes I do act like that really annoying um, team member who's always like running late and asking you for favors when, you know, you came early and they come late and they trying to, they trying to sneak in and, you know, use your earliness to their advantage. Well, I do have a part of me that's sometimes like that. Maybe not at work, but maybe it shows up when I go on vacation. Maybe it shows up somewhere else. How can I interact with that part of myself in a way that's bringing more curiosity and more compassion to this aspect of myself that maybe I used to judge and be really embarrassed about? See, in that process of learning about yourself and how you work and how you can lead yourself in a, in a compassionate way, you naturally build the skills to be able to lead compassionately other people. And this is a lot of what I think being holistic is about. It's about seeing the patterns, whether they're inside of something small and micro like yourself or something large, like a very large company. Um, So anyway, coming back to this idea of high safety, high trust without high maintenance, Really, that's about how can we come to the simple common denominator, and that can be learning these skills, practicing them on yourself, and then taking them out into the world. 
So I wanted to share with you a phrase. I, we, I know you've heard it many times already today, and I have, um, but I've kind of twisted a little bit, which is DEI. But when I talk about DEI, I'm not talking about diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. I'm talking about differentiation, equilibrium, and, innovate, and integration. So what do I mean? Now, I come from a math background, so stay with me here. We're going to use a cheesecake, okay? And we're going to have this beautiful, large cheesecake, and we're going to cut it up into lots of thin slices. That's differentiating, where you're just taking a little piece. And in math, that's the definition of differentiation. It's actually just taking something and breaking it into tiny, tiny pieces. And when we think about differentiation, like differentiating our brand or differentiating our products or our marketing or whatever it might be, we think about, well, how am I different? Well, different than what? Cheesecake, I love that. Different at what? Different at, different than the person next to us, even though we know we're all human, we're all part of the same cheesecake, but we're all a little bit different. Each slice is a little different. So the first question is, how am I unique? How am I more unique? How am I unique from every other human on the planet? For some people, that's an easy answer. For other people, that might be actually a little bit challenging. Because if you say I'm a mother, I'm an engineer, I'm a student, I have an apartment, I go to work, like, does that differentiate us? No, not really, right? So we have to really see what is unique about it. And the second question is the E, which is for equilibrium. I'll come back to that actually. I'm gonna go over to I because it'll make more sense. Integration is the opposite operation. So if you think about like multiplication and division, then you have differentiation and integration. Integration is now taking all those little pieces, those little slices and bringing them back together to make that big whole cheesecake. So in integration, it's like, well, how do I fit into the big picture? How do I fit into that cheesecake? What's my role in contributing to the greater whole of humanity, of my neighborhood, of my town, of my family, of my company, whatever it is, okay? So we have differentiation is how am I different and unique? And integration is like, how do I fit into the big picture? Y'all with me so far? Okay, so I'm gonna move into equilibrium, which is the dance. Equilibrium, people call it balance. But balance, I, often they, they show the, the image of the seesaw. I think that's overly simplified. It's really something that it's more like, um, like the temperature of your body, 98.6 degrees, right? We all know that if we go too far higher, too far lower than that, we're dead. So we know the body has to maintain 98.6. But of course, every day we do different things. We eat different things. We go different places. We're in different temperature environments. So the body is constantly managing and finding equilibrium. So for us as leaders, how do we dance between our uniqueness, our differentiated selves, and our contribute, contribution to the whole, which is how we integrate into the larger picture? That dance is our equilibrium. How do we find balance? I think work-life balance is oversimplified. I think really that equilibrium is about finding that. Where is that, that place, that happy place for when we can cover that D, E, and I, those three things, when we know how we're unique, how we fit into the bigger picture, and how we dance between our uniqueness and fitting into the bigger picture, guess what? That's all we really need to be excellent leaders. 
Because once we know how we're unique, we're not going to really shame other people for their uniqueness. We're not going to need them to conform to what we think it should look like. When we know how we contribute to the greater whole, we're very uh, confident in ourselves. We're very, um, we have high self-esteem. We're very comfortable. So we're, we don't feel challenged or threatened by other people's greatness and shining brilliance. And when we know how we achieve equilibrium, we can always come back to that no matter what kind of craziness is happening. So that was my simple formula for how to be a lazy leader and create high safety and high trust environments without high maintenance. It's really about instead of trying to manage lots and lots of moving parts outside of us, it's really starting with how we manage and lead ourselves. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. Now we're going to have closing remarks for our host, Rajalene Gigi Sabat. Thank you, Dr. James, and thank you everyone for being here today. I truly appreciate you. Now we heard from amazing speakers from all over the world today. Very, very powerful. Now at this time, I want everyone in the room right now to unmute, unmute your mic. Yes, uh, unmute your mic. Give you all a second there to unmute. Okay, and now at this time, I want you all to say with me, I am a leader. I, I am, am a, leader. A, leader. a leader. And say it again. I am a leader. I am a leader. And one more time. I am a leader. I, I am, am a leader. That's right. And you at home, if you're listening to this message today, you are a leader. And I believe in you. And, and also too, it's so important to remember that you cannot serve or lead from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. You need to first and foremost, make sure that your cup is filled. And so we've all faced our challenges. I faced my fair share of challenges as well. And, and yes, if you're listening to this message today, you can overcome, there is hope and don't give up. And so here's the thing, you really have to sit there and get quiet and really focus in on, on those challenges. And yes, we have to face the trauma that we've endured. As Teresa mentioned earlier today, you have to really circle back to it. And I know it's difficult. And as she said, take your time. Teresa said, take your time. And I, I, I second that, it's so important. And also too, as you continue to serve and lead others, do not, give up and remember that it's not about you. It's about the people that you serve. Continue to serve others and meet people where they are. I'll say it again, meet people where they are. And I'll say it again, meet people where they are. It's so important. And remember that no matter what, to move the ball. I love what Jennifer Garrett says because it's so important. Oftentimes as leaders, some folks may say, well, this happened or a challenge or an obstacle happened in business. And then they say, well, that's it. No, move the ball, pick it up and keep going and, and keep moving forward and continue to serve. And, and I, I leave you all with this as well because oftentimes fear can keep individuals from moving forward and from serving others and leading. And so if that's you, if you're in a place right now and you're afraid and you're in fear, I encourage you to hold on to faith. Oh, yeah, hold on to me. Before you hold on to faith. And I'll say it again. Hold on to faith. 
and keep going no matter what. In this lifetime, you may get knocked down, but keep moving forward no matter what and keep up the good fight. And remember that God is with you wherever you go. As you all know, one of my favorite verses is Joshua 1, 9, and I just can't help but just, just be excited and enjoy because it's true. God is with us wherever we go. And Joshua 1, 9 states, haven't I commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And so how can you really say that you're alone knowing God, the creator is with you wherever you go? You're not alone. If you are facing a depression right now or have anxiety or you're you're thinking about committing suicide and, and you, you think that you don't have a purpose, here, here I am today to tell you that God has a purpose for your life and he loves you as you are and he wants to meet you where you are. God does not seek for you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to be perfect. Oftentimes in our society, folks believe that they need to be perfect or higher power, whomever you believe in, wants to meet you where you are. Don't give up and keep moving forward. Thank you. And at this time, I turn it over to Dr. Lakeisha James, our master of ceremonies. You know what? You guys are amazing. Amazing. I learned so much from everybody. Um, the ones that I've been on the platform with before, it's great to see you guys again. The ones I have never shared the platform with, it's nice meeting you. Love the husband and wife duo, Cindy and Wes. You guys rock on so many levels. Um, but for me, I think leadership, we're not born as leaders, you know? Uh, I think you develop leadership skills over time. For me, I always knew that I was one because I always thought different. But as time progressed, I started my business back in 2017. And fast forward to today, it's like the impact that I have on people, I don't know that I have the impact unless they tell me. Um, so it's refreshing to me to know that I'm inspiring someone somewhere. And I tell people all the time, if you impact one person, you've done your job. It's just like a ripple effect. You impact one person, they're going to impact one person and so on and so on. And of course, if you know me as well, I always ask, I always say, everyone has a story what's yours. Somewhere, somewhere in the world, someone needs to hear it. So us being leaders, being able to impact, encourage, and inspire is, is amazing. Everyone cannot do it. Everyone doesn't have the confidence to do it. So the ones that are watching right now, if you are, have you watched this segment, this platform, all these amazing influential speakers, I hope you took some great notes because you only can learn from the people that you hold in your circle. These people we hold in our service because we can learn so much from them. So I hope you guys took some great notes and we'll be back next week. So I hope you guys reserve that seat with the Global Faith Conference. We're so excited about that. That's going to be on a whole nother level. So thank you guys so much again, speakers, for partaking in this event today. I salute all of you and continue doing the marvelous work and this work that you are doing. And now we're going to close with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you've made it you and you are seemingly rejoicing in. Father, we thank you, Brian, for each and every person on this platform, each and every person that watched this platform with all these influential speakers. Father, we ask you right now to just give us a little bit more, Father. We thank you right now for just giving us a little bit more. We thank you, Father, for guiding our footsteps, our journey, Father, within you. We thank you, Father, for being our first and the last, Father, the first and the omega. We thank you for the strength you give us on a daily basis because, Father, we go through life, Father, not knowing what the next day will bring, but, Father, with you, we, you encourage us, Father, you instill in us that we are great and we're going to forever be great. We thank you right now for the last that we touch on a daily 
daily basis. Even the last we don't know that we touch, Father. We thank you for giving us that unction, Father, that you give us on a daily basis. We thank you for waking up this morning, Father, giving us another day, another day to serve you and another day to serve your people, Father. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you, you. all. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. 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 Thank you.